Welcome to I Thought I Was Over This. I'm your host, Dr. Kimber, a licensed clinical psychologist, trauma healer, and fellow life journeyer. Every episode, we dive into the science of humaning. And whether you find yourself feeling like you've just hit an iceberg and don't know where help is coming from, or you're ready to trade in your raft for something bigger, you aren't alone. Grab what you need, get comfortable, and let's do this. I am so grateful you are here. I'm excited about this episode. It is dropping on my 26th anniversary, and today I am joined by my husband, Dennis, For this episode, we are going to talk about our journey with grief, especially when our son died. His anniversary is actually the day after ours, and that would have been 17 years ago. So Dennis, can you introduce yourself? Hello, Dennis Tavaya here. It's uh, great to be here. I think you asked me to say a little bit about my background. Yeah, so... After we we met in college and uh, dated, and I was doing gra- we were both doing graduate school together at different institutions, but we were doing graduate school at the same time, and I was studying psychology as well. But after I graduated, I went into teaching, and so I had a 10, 12-year career as a special ed teacher, and then slowly transitioned to a clinical practice. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. The last eight years, I've been doing more executive coaching, leadership coaching with the Townsend Leadership Group. So yeah, that's me. Great. Well, thank you. And this episode is sponsored by my book, Still Making a Hole When Parts Go Missing. And my book, which is a memoir about my journey of grieving our son, baby Long Beach, And in it, I have a storyline that talks about my relationship with Dennis. It's called The Story of Us. Couples grieve so differently. And when you are in the middle of a devastating loss, it can really feel traumatic. And if you don't have tools, if you don't have support, it is often a top reason for couples getting a divorce. So I hope that this episode can help encourage you if you find yourself in a very hard spot. I hope that this episode can be a resource if that's not you, but you know of people around you. So I'm excited. One of the things that we wanted to talk about today is that there are a lot of different ways of grieving. And together we have different processes of grieving. You know, some people find it easy to cry. Others find it impossible to cry when they want to or in the company of others. And Dennis, what do you know about this process? What could you share with our our audience? I I think grief is such a full, deep, rich topic. I was just thinking back to what grieving for me looked like after we lost baby Long Beach. And the first thing that popped into my mind was I wanted it to be a one-time event. 
like I wanted to cry. I, I kept looking for, okay, well, it's when we have the service, it'll be, you know, when, when we do this formal process, then it'll be over. And the thing I learned painfully is that, that grief isn't just a one-time event, that it's, it's a process. And here we are, it's coming up on 17 years, and there's still grief inside of me. There's still loss. I'm still processing it. And so that's, I, I think, the first thing I would say is beware of looking for a quick end or a resolution or there's something wrong with you because you're still grieving. I think that's been probably one of the big things I've learned is grief is something that it's this process that you can't just get your hands around and, and capture or put into a formula that it, it just becomes a part of your story. It's a part of who you are. It's, it's a reality that I think I accommodate. It's just with me. And I've, I've made friends with my grief. Mm. And I, I don't fight it anymore. And I, I think I, I, like in this moment, I just welcome it. It's, it's a friend. It's not something I need to, to struggle or fight against. But it's just a part of my story. It's a part of my humanity. And uh, I think making space for my grief helps me to be more human, more me. As you're, you know, making friends with your grief, I think that's one of the most difficult challenges when you experience devastating loss is that you're in shock. Your nervous system is fighting this reality. You go to sleep, you have dreams about the loved one, you fight what actually is true when you wake up. And that can be one of the most difficult things of finding the rhythm as a couple, because if I'm struggling and not wanting to feel my grief and you're crying, I can go into more of a shock and a shutdown and you can feel abandoned and left alone because I'm not joining you in grief. Now, of course, there's couples that can grieve together and come together, and it's the strongest that they've ever been. I want to say that often that can be when a couple ha- comes out of their childhood with a secure attachment. A secure attachment, just in a nutshell, is you had a caregiver who provided consistent, loving, boundaried relationship with you that when you had a need, you could cry and your caregiver comforted you. You had a need of hunger and you got food. That is how attachment is based. And many of us though, myself and you yourself included, we had what is called an insecure attachment, which means, you know, though our caregivers were present in both of our cases, we had some inconsistencies that developed that had us adapting. And so when you are in grief, your old attachment system is going to come out because your whole body is in, it's like it's in a different universe. And what was the past now becomes the present as you face into this trauma. And part of the journey out of a devastating loss 
is recognizing what is real today and what is in the past. So when I have needs, when you have needs that we need fixed, when we have what's going on inside of us as a um, a confirmation bias where I'm not used to having consistency or I'm not used to what's called crying out to get my needs met, then I'm going to be looking for all the ways that you're not meeting my needs and, or I'm not even going to be saying what my needs are. So there are just, it's so messy. Grief is so messy. Yeah. You, you want to add anything to that? Yeah. That brought up the second big thing I think I've been thinking about is recognizing differences that you and I are different people and that differences are okay. Differences are what drew part of what drew us together. And it's so tempting to demonize differences and, and to try to figure out, well, there's a good guy and a bad guy who, you know, usually I'm the good guy, by the way, but yes. <laughs> um, and, and so we moralize differences instead of just, uh, I've been on the strain of just accepting, oh, we're, of course we're different. We're two separate individuals with different histories, different timetables, different ways of thinking. And so of course we're going to be grieving differently. And that was painful. After the loss of baby Long Beach, there was such intense grief and and for us to have different timetables on it. Mm -hmm. And I even remember being in the hospital and I was doing some processing and having some deep grief. And at that moment, I was ready to share. And you were asleep. You were knocked out from some medication you'd been taking. And so then I was here, I was awake. And then another time, I think maybe in the book, even talks about you were ready to grieve and I was knocked out sleeping. And these differences would just continue, you know? So, and when I, in my attachment, I have an insecure attachment. I'm, I'm more anxious style. And so when I would go to you and want to share grief and you weren't in that same space, it felt like a big rejection. And then I would start just assuming you weren't going to be available and started uh, a habit of just not sharing my grief. And so this is, this is the danger. You know, we, I started keeping my grief to myself or trying to process my grief in other places, some healthy, some unhealthy places. And, um, and, and it is what made that first year so difficult and became very painful in our marriage because I just would assume, you know, I would kind of build this case in my mind that you weren't going to be there for me and then just not even reach out and be clear and find ways to, to bridge our differences. I said, I just ran with the differences and it was a dark time then in our dark time in our life, but then now a dark time in our marriages, in our marriage. And me, coming from an avoidant attachment, then when I don't feel connected, I hold all of my needs inside and to the outside. You can't even tell that often with an avoidant attachment that this person has needs or that they're struggling. And so I kept my grief to myself or let it eke out in different ways that weren't obvious because I felt abandoned. 
and I felt like uh, you weren't available to me. So some of the things we did do well, and and I, before I go to what we did well, I do want to say, like, I think the hospital scene mm. in the book is just so powerful to show how things can go sideways. One of the great things about the book is that you can see the damage and then you watch the process unfold of how we find our way. I'll throw that out there. If someone needs to have some hope, I think the, my book offers hope. But what we did well is we both were in individual therapy. We also had groups that we had been meeting with ongoing so that when this devastation happened, we already had groups that we were meeting with and could share. So we did those things well. We had support that we could reach out to or that was in place before this devastation happened. Anything else that comes to mind? I think something else we did well is we really brought our daughter into the grief process and made tons of space for her grief. And it helps that we're both trained clinicians. So, but I I think we did a good job paying attention to what was going on with her and getting her support. And um, we would, we spent, I spent hours, but I know we both did playing with Eden and letting her express her grief through her play with her stuffed animals and Mm -hmm. the, the tea parties, everything changed, you know, And there was always this theme of a baby getting stolen, you know, and each kind of, there'd be two groups and they would kind of steal the baby back and forth. And Eden created this whole narrative to to process her grief through imagination. And so, so I think that's another thing we did very well, Mm -hmm. Um, really paid attention to her and supported her and, and let our friends in. And they were just great and neighbors and, that was, I think, one of the, the beautiful that came from the grief is seeing how friends, family, neighbors just stepped up and poured out love towards us. And, and I thought we did a good job being open and, ta- yes. and being humble and saying, yes, we, we do need, we need help. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And both of us being in the profession of psychology at the time, I was getting my postdoc hours at UCLA. You were getting your licensing hours in a private practice and an outpatient clinic. And both of, I had multiple supervisors. You had one. I mean, they invited our process of how it was coming up in work because we both held space for other people's grief and we needed our space to not take up the whole the whole process in the room as someone was coming in. And that was so helpful. And I know that some of my listeners who have written into me talk about the trials and the difficulties at the workplace with coworkers, people being clumsy, not knowing what to say or being triggering. And all I can say is find allies at work, expect to get triggered, expect to not want to be there and find your people in those places because that is the most important thing. We do not know when we're going to get triggered. We have no idea. It just comes. It just happens. And we need 
to know most importantly, who is that safe person that we can go regroup with? How would you say that we repaired? It was sloppy and it was not good. And, and the devastating loss of baby Long Beach, I think led to both of our imagining or both, maybe what I imagined my marriage was and what reality showed that it was. I think I had to give up this ideal and really get to the the heart of, okay, this is where I'm starting from. And it feels like I'm starting in a hole because of how disconnected we were, how much I felt like our lives had been, we'd been living kind of parallel lives, probably on a trajectory to get divorced, to be honest. Like, I think when I looked at how disconnected we were and how difficult it was to find this connection, I don't know. I don't, I'm, you know, who knows? Maybe we would have found our way and something else would have brought that to light, but it just felt very disconnecting that we had the behaviors of our marriage led to this parallel living that wasn't as connecting as it needed to be in light of something trauma, traumatic happening. So for me, I'll just keep speaking, but for me, what I was determined to do, I was determined, but beyond determined to not lead to the divorce in our marriage because I did not want Eden to have to suffer another devastating loss. And for me, I did not want her story to be, my brother died. She was three and a half. So she was so excited and and ready. My brother died. And then two years later, my parents got divorced. Like I did not ever want anything close to that. How can I see you as somebody who is on my team and is someone who is working with me to try to create the best environment? And I do know that I had to practice gratitude um, in order for me to really reshape my feelings of how missed I felt and how just disconnected we were. I really used the discipline of gratitude. That was true. I had to get at the facts that I was really grateful for in order to help me shift my perspective towards you. And that was really helpful. But for you, what would you say? You know, right in this moment, I'm just really connecting with your theme of story. I can distinctly remember our story, Eden's story, this story that baby Long Beach is in can't end with us divorcing, with Eden losing her baby brother, her parents, divorce, intact family. And so I think that inspired me, like this story needs to have a good ending. And I'm committed to fighting for, working for, figuring out what I need to do differently to get that happy ending, redemption. I'm a sucker for stories of redemption. I just love those. And I wanted to see redemption in our story. Yeah. Well, a couple other things I think that our listeners might be interested in is, you know, we started doing a couples group and we actually were in that couples group before 
baby Long Beach died, but we met once a month and we would get a babysitter to watch the kids. And then as our families grew, as our children grew, we would even meet at different houses, but had the same babysitter. And that was really helpful. Then another thing that we did was we have an organization here locally called New Hope Grief Support. And we did their grief program probably eight years after baby Long Beach died. And what I was struck with is that we still had unprocessed dynamics that needed to be addressed. And I know you're laughing because there's yet another thing that we did. And no wonder we're, 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 we're celebrating 26 years. When Elisha was born, he had something that had to get surgically corrected when he was around one And I had gone to a um, therapist helping, trying to help him because I knew that it had been a traumatic experience because I'm a somatic experiencing practitioner. I know about the body and he had this experience. And so we, she's local. We saw her under the guise of helping him. And she said to us, oh, you all have some you have some work to do here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah your child's fine. You, you two need to come in and do some more work. And we're like, oh. so that started um, our own couples therapy journey yet again, because we have, we have seen multiple couples therapists in different seasons for our, in our life, kind of looking for different things. So I'm really grateful that you are committed to growth and that we can find ways to retell our story and heal the traumas that we have. Because after all, a trauma, a traumatic event doesn't have to stay in the body as a trauma. It's what happens next. It's what happens after the devastating loss that determines whether something kind of sticks in your bones. Now, of course, that's different than grief and loss. That always comes up. That's very different than processing a trauma, you know, and we had different layers. So any last comments? Well, even just you bringing up that group we did with New Hope Grief Support, that was a really helpful experience. And I I remember in the group wishing we'd had that closer to our loss because mm-hmm. it was helpful. You know, we processed it on our own in therapy and professional settings, but just being with three, four other couples and some leaders that had had similar losses to ours Mm -hmm. was so helpful. And they helped articulate feelings, experiences, thoughts that I I just couldn't put words to. And and so that was powerful. And being able to be there for the other couples that were, that the loss was more recent. And so, yeah, I think that's a, a really helpful, that was really helpful. I would encourage others to try to find a group like that. You know, one in four pregnancies end with a baby loss, you know, varying months and weeks and, but they're all losses. And if you are listening and have had a baby loss and have not processed that, um, there's a before and after for many, many couples. So I encourage you to find safe people find a professional outlet if that's needed and 
get that work repaired because it will come out if there's stuff that's unrepaired. So, all right. Well, good to be with you. Thank you for joining me. Pleasure to be here. I'm grateful for our work, both internally and interpersonally and professionally. It's a joy to work with you. All right. Be well, my audience, and thank you for listening. If you have not done so, please leave a review on the podcast platform you listen to. I would be so, so grateful. It helps with the algorithm. Take care.